Well, welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. It's Pastor Rick here with you, and we are finally reaching yet another milestone. I like to use that term because that milestone when we reach one is another book that has been accomplished in its full teaching. And we are at Leviticus chapter 27. 27 chapters. It's a pretty decent-sized book. And it's a, it's a lot of info packed in there about God, God's wants and his, the things he didn't want, the things he loved, the, the things he despised, and, and then some. But again, I thank you all so much for following along, you know, and more than anything, you know, God is the one who's most pleased with you. But I thank you just because, again, you know, as, as a pastor, as a teacher of God's word, it's important to see everything that, that he has to say. And I've said before, Leviticus is one of the one of the top books that's been avoided. It's been avoided due to um, modern day conception, if you will. Yeah, how does this pertain to our lives? Something I've heard way too much in, in a lot of watered down forms of Christianity. All we care about is what pertains to us and our lives. Well, God is first, and and God deserves the best, and so. We want to give our all to God and, 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 you know, not so much worry about ourselves, but, but the more, to, to, to be more concerned with him first and foremost. And by that, when you put God first, everything else falls into place the way it should be. And I can tell you from personal experience, experience of watching other people and, and, and my own personal experience from the mistakes I've made of not putting God first, but putting other things first. And so a dear friend and a dear brother of mine, bishop of the church that I'm a pastor in, you know, uh, preached on Sunday about continuing your work. And and so, and again, the, the drive to continue in the work and, and what, you know, my calling is here and one of the many things I do in the form of ministry, but this here at A Voice in the Distance is, again, teaching the Word of God for what it's saying, not for what I want it to say. And because the, nobody could make the Word of God any more powerful than it already is. And so... When you read it for what it's saying, everything else will fall into place. But again, to elaborate on the things that are said, you know, is, is very important. God wanted to make known things of importance. He didn't just give us a, uh, something for the sake of a good read. He gave us instruction for the sake of, of, of properly worshiping him, properly walking with him, and proper, properly dealing with what another is we're here on earth. When Christ came down, he came down to bring the culture of heaven down to earth. And God was giving part of that culture through his word. And though the culture is different from what we're reading, you know, in, into our society, and, or maybe depending on what nation you come from, this is still the word and the instruction of God. And so we had Leviticus real quick. As we're at the end, I wanted to remind us of something that, of what Leviticus uh, contained of. Four different aspects. Of laws, you had your dietary law, you had your moral laws, you had your judicial laws, and you had your ceremonial laws. Now, through through us uh, believers of the uh, of Christians, if you will, in the New Testament, the one thing that did transfer into the New Testament that was seen was the moral laws, and we could also see some of the judicial laws of, as well. The ceremonial laws did not pertain to us. But again, to, to look at, nor did the dietary laws, but those dietary laws aren't bad. Uh, we don't eat a lot of those things that God said not to eat on there. So we do follow a lot of those, whether we like it or not. But we're going to look into things regarding the things that are given to God. Do we give our all to God? Well, let's see here. 
Let me start us off in verses 1 to 8. It says, when a man consecrates, okay? Now, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when a man consecrates by a vow certain persons to the Lord according to your valuation. If your valuation is of a male from 20 years old up to 60 years old, then your valuation shall be 50 shekels of silver according to the shekel of the sanctuary. If it is a female, then your valuation shall be 30 shekels. And if from 5 years old up to 20 years old, then your valuation for a male shall be 20 shekels and for a female 10. And if from a, uh, a month uh, uh, old up to 5 years old, then your valuation for a male shall be 5 shekels of silver. And for a female, your valuation shall be 3 shekels of silver. And if from 60 years old and above, if it is a male, then your valuation shall be 15 shekels and for a female 10 shekels. But if he is too poor to pay your valuation, then he shall present himself before the priest, and the priest shall set a value for him according to the ability of him who vowed. The priest shall value him. Everyone's of value. And, and it was from all ages. Why did he set the certain ones? Okay, we have these things. We have. I want to start us off with the vows. When a man consecrates by a vow, a vow is a very important thing. If you are married, then you know what I'm talking about because you made vows to that particular person, but you also made vows to God because marriage was the very first thing of, of created in the form of institution. But this chapter, it deals with things that are given by God by a vow is what we're looking at. And so it's a promise. It's like that of a covenant, very serious issue. But we consecrate ourselves. Right? We consecrate ourselves into that vow. And, and, and when a vow was made, it was to be kept. And we, we live by that standard. But how much more with God? Right? So, again, with the Israelites, they were required to give or dedicate certain things to the Lord and to his service. Well, it could have been like the first fruits of their harvest, firstborn of animals, uh, firstborn of your ch child, if you will, of your son. Um, additional animals, houses, fields, it all kind of went on. All things belong to God. All things created that he provides for you were those things given by God that he provided. Now, there was one thing there that, that if, if you did not pay, then there was a 20% penalty, if you will. A tithe is a tenth. So 10%, which is what a tithe means, is 10 and, and so what this chapter really explains is, is how the, uh, the valuations were to be made and what to do. Okay, so um, if, if a donor, you know, say like later, wished to buy back what God had, uh, what he had uh, uh, been uh, donated to God, if you will, he had that opportunity. They had this thing called the Jubilee Year. And after... After seven years or six years, you were able to um, have debts forgiven and so on and so forth. You were, you were to take one year off to let the land rest, and you weren't to do any work but to make provisions for yourself. And after that time, if you had to sell your land uh, to somebody due to financial circumstances, then you had the opportunity to buy it back. But if you, if you uh, didn't buy it back, then it, then it would stay within the new owner. But valuation... You know, we, uh, God gave evaluation for all. There's only so much people could do. From from newborn to four years old was five shekels for men, three for female. And, um, 
you know, if you're somewhere between the age of five and uh, five and nineteen, it would it'd be twenty shekels for men, ten for shekels for the women. Uh, from twenty to fifty-nine, fifty shekels and thirty shekels. And 16 over, it was 15 to 10 shekels. Why? Because it wasn't that there was less value. It was just that there was certain things that that some did more than others that they had the ability to. And it was just, it was the valuation by God. Everybody was worth something, but somebody, um, depending on your age and your ability, had had more that they were evaluated by. No one is provi- prohibited, if you will. And so everyone was was to uh, was to consecrate by the vow, if you will. Everyone was able to give their life to God. Everyone had the ability to to serve or or to do whatever it is that they needed to do, or what they were called to do. And the priest was there to take in the accountability part. The priest was there to to set the uh, the standard and to supervise the standard, if you will. Now we have something coming up here with in regards to like redeeming uh, property. Uh, could be animals or whatever the case. But let's check it out from from nine to thirteen. Actually, let's do 9 to 15. It says, if it is an animal that men may bring as an offering to the Lord, all that anyone gives to the Lord shall be holy. He shall not substitute it or exchange it, good for bad or bad for good. And if he at all exchanges animal for animal, then both it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy. If it is an unclean animal which they do not offer as a sacrifice to the Lord, then he shall present the animal before the priest, and the priest shall set a value for it, whether it is good or bad. As you, the priest, value it, so it shall be. But if he wants at all to redeem it, then he must add one-fifth to your valuation. And when a man dedicates his house to be holy to the Lord, then the priest shall set a value for it, whether it is good or bad. As the priest values it, so shall it stand. If he who dedicates it wants to redeem his house, then he must add one-fifth of the money of your valuation to it, and it shall be his." So we have animals. Now, animals were very important in the aspect of the form of sacrifice. The uh, the animal had a, a lot of worth for this because at the time they would they were used as sacrifice, but they were also used as food and the other things after the fact. So if you're a first-time listener, please, by any means, do not be mistaken that animals were killed just for the sake of killing animals. They were killed to be dedicated to God, and and, and the, the portions of the food and stuff would go to the priest, and go to the, and then the rest would go to the people. And so, but the thing was, is that it had to be an animal without blemish. It was typically the firstborn male without blemish of any kind, physically or anything um, that had any form of disease or physical ailments to it. And so, if if it was, um, if the animal was clean, it was considered fit for sacrifice. And so it was useful. You could also exchange it for another animal as long as that animal was also clean and suitable for sacrifice. So what is God doing here? He's, God's giving the ability of how to do uh, spiritual business, if you will, <laughs> depending on how you want to put it. But on how to on how to deal with one another in the forms of exchange. If it's an unclean animal, it, you know, it could still be vowed. And then redeemed, but the priest, the priest would have to set the value. And, and so that, that, but that value had to be, it would be an added 20% to the, um, what you would consider to the treasurer of the tabernacle. And so a little confusing to some people at times. 
But this is the way God operated back in the day. Let me kind of modernize it to an extent. Again, like I said, we might dedicate something to the church. Your church might be in need of uh, maybe some furniture items. And you happen to have uh, a couch with holes in it and springs uh, popping out of it. And you say to yourself, oh, well, I want to get me, I got this new couch. I'll just give this one to the church. And, And so really it comes down to the form of an insult, if you will. Uh, not so much to the church, but first and foremost to God, because the church belongs to God. And so, um, basically, th- this could be in the, used in the form of a modern-day exchange. We wouldn't be using animals, but we might be donating something. Some people donate vehicles. Uh, some, some people donate their homes, even. And we're going to see something in that aspect as well. But it, but it comes down to giving to God and how to do it and in the forms of exchange with the ability on how to do it if you should happen to fall short in some aspects. God is the provider. And God is the one that, that again, we must be reminded that everything we have is his, whether we like it or not, because he provided the means. He provided the means of our jobs. He provided the means of, our, uh, of maybe somebody who helped us out. And it kind of goes into a chain link. We like to refer to it as paying it forward sometimes. We pay it forward. Somebody helped us through God. We help them for, through God for the name, in the name of God for the love of one another. And we also look here in verses 14 to 15, we, we, uh, we also have the redeeming of the house. And this is, uh, let's see here. It says, and when a man dedicates his house to be holy to the Lord, uh, then the priest shall set a value for it, whether it is good or bad, as the priest values it, so it shall stand. If he who dedicated it wants to redeem his house, then he must add one-fifth of the money of your valuation to it, and it shall be his. So, with a house, like say with an unclean animal, a man could consecrate a vow to the house of the Lord while still using it, but the priest set the value. So, the the home could be estimated, and there would be the, an additional 20% added. And that total would be, again, donated to the tabernacle or to the church today, if you will, is what we're trying to look at from a modern standpoint. Real estate could be given, you know, and again, it was a voluntary offering. And so it's the, it's the same way as I mentioned before about people giving property through a will. Uh, maybe some people donate the proceeds from uh, from the sale of a property or the church uh, to, to Christian organizations. I've heard of so many things. Um, I know I know of somebody who died over a year ago who donated or left a lot of money to the church. She made a will, and to the church that she was a part of, she made sure that a very large amount of her money actually went to the church. She didn't have children. Uh, she didn't have really any family for the most part with the exception of a couple of brothers. And uh, so a lot of the money she decided to give to God to, to the church that she had um, that she had attended. In uh, 16 to 20, uh, let's do here... Let's do 16 to 27. If a man dedicates to the Lord part of a field of his possession, then your valuation shall be according to the seed for it. A homer of barley seed shall be valued at 50 shekels of silver. If he dedicates his field from the year of Jubilee, according to your valuation, it shall stand 
But if he dedicates his field after the jubilee, then the priest shall reckon to him the money due according to the years that remain till the year of the jubilee. And it shall be deducted from your valuation. And if he who dedicates the field over wishes to redeem it, then he must add one-fifth of money of your valuation to it. And it shall belong to him. But if he does not want to redeem the field, or if he has sold the field to another man, it shall not be redeemed any more. But the field, uh, when it was released in the Jubilee, shall be holy to the Lord as a devoted field. It shall be the possession of the priest. And if a man dedicates uh, to the Lord a field which he has bought, which is not the field of his possession, then the priest shall reckon to him the worth of your valuation up to the year of Jubilee, and he shall give your valuation on that day as a holy offering to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field shall return to him from whom it was bought to the one who owned the land as a possession, and all your valuations shall be according to the shekel of the sanctuary, 20 uh, garaz to the shekel. So, again, the possession. I mentioned uh, just a little bit ago about the year of Jubilee. And, again, this was a really neat opportunity for many things. A year to take off, to let the land rest. It was a dedication. And then on top of it, people like, for instance, today, um, even, we still kind of live by that standard. If you fa- if you filed for bankruptcy, you've lost all your possessions, and you had no other choice but to file for bankruptcy. Um after, what is it, seven years, you can basically have a new start. God created this aspect, and it was found in the, the book of Leviticus, but we practice it today here in our country, the United States, probably in some others as well. And it, it gives you a new start. But in this case, what, what you could also do, say like, for instance, you have a childhood home you grew up and you just loved it, but you never wanted to get rid of it. And you had to sell it, as I mentioned before. I'm trying to uh, give a more modernized version for understanding. But you had to sell it because of your circumstances. But you really want your childhood home back. And by law, after that period is up, that jubilee period, when it comes time to be able to purchase it back, you had the option. You had the option and the choice to say, I want my childhood home back. I want my land back. I want it back and to give to my family, to redeem to my family. It was an opportunity of redemption. And I think it was pretty neat. But God being fair to both parties says that that if you chose not to, which is fine, but if you chose not to, then it would stay with the new owner. But he gave the original owner the opportunity to redeem after so many years. And so God is good. God is right all the time. I think it's a very good uh, concept. You know, normally people would never do that in these days. They would never sell their land. They only did it if they had to. And so by them purchasing it back and having the opportunity to do so... It didn't really, I don't think it really harmed the owner, if you will, because they probably had their land. But it gave them, it gave them the opportunity to double if they chose not to. God provided and blessed all parties, if you will. And, and so, um, he, he gives the ability to redeem. So what, what was this? The, 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 uh, there was a few things mentioned here that I, I feel the need to uh, mention. Uh, in the, depending on what version of the Bible you have, it was called a gerah. 
And a garage is te- technically like a it's a, a weight. It was like an ancient day unit of weight that they used. And so um it it was I don't think it was very much, but uh maybe like somewhere about a gram or or less than a gram even. So that kind of gives us an idea of the amount, if that is something of interest. But let's look at, uh, continue to look at what else he says here in the redemption of the consecration for the firstborn. Let's do 26 to uh, 33. But the firstborn of the animals, which should be the Lord's firstborn, no man shall dedicate. Whether it is an ox or a sheep, it is the Lord's. And if it is an unclean animal, then he shall redeem it according to your valuation and shall add one-fifth to it. Or if it is not redeemed, then it shall be sold according to your valuation. Nevertheless, no devoted offering that a man may devote to the Lord of all that he has, both man and beast of the field of his possession, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted offering is most holy to the Lord. No person under the ban whom, uh, who may become doomed to destruction among men shall be redeemed, but shall surely be put to death. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wants to uh, all redeem any of his tithes, then he shall add one-fifth to it. And concerning the tithe of the herd of the flock, of whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. He shall not inquire whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange. And if he exchanges it at all, then both... And the one exchanged for it shall be holy, and it shall not uh, be redeemed. So, we have the, uh, the, the devotion here, the devoted. There were certain things that had devotion to God only. No man could touch or use the trees and certain other things. You know, it's interesting when you, um, if you know anything about real estate... And there's a term that's called real property in real estate. And um, real property can uh, can mean uh, trees, if you will. Say, like if you sold your house, the, the aspects of the real property were to remain. And that real property could be such as things as, as the trees or the fruit trees of your house. And, and, and whoever is the, you know, whoever is the bite is not to remove that. It belongs to the new owner. But so these are the things that God had real property over himself. These things were devoted to him. And, and if not, then a curse would be upon those who broke that. And so it was a devotion of holiness and obedience. You know, I could use the example. I remember teaching the book of 1 Samuel years ago, and uh, we had King Saul, the very first king of Israel, who disobeyed the the rule of God when he said to eliminate a wicked, vile tribe called the Amalekites. He said, none was to be left behind, none of their, uh, no man, woman, child, nothing was to be left behind, and nor was their animals or their possessions. Well, King Saul deliberately disobeyed and figured like, well, hey, let's go ahead and take all their possessions because that was something that that was normally allowed. But in this case, God said not to do not take a thing and do not spare a life. And so not only did uh, Saul uh, bring back the uh, a lot of the items, but he also brought back the king and let him live. And he figured, well, let's bring him in as a trophy uh, of a capture. 
Well, this angered Samuel, the prophet, and the very last judge of Israel at the time. And Samuel went ahead and did the deed, if you will, by eliminating the king, being obedient to God in his command. After that, King Saul was no longer under the, the protection and the anointing, if you will. Many things started to happen. He had demon possession that would come and go. And, and uh, King Saul, he went nuts. He went crazy. And eventually he ended up dying on the, on the battlefield with his son. Allowing a more holy and obedient king by the name of David to take over. But again, this is just another aspect of what and why to give us an example of what God was talking about. You know, if a man wanted to redeem any of his tithes, you know, he was to add one-fifth to it. And so, um, a farmer could pay back uh, the value of the seed, but but he'd add, have to add uh, 20% or whatever the case to, this, to certain things. And so, let's take a look here in the, verse, the last verse. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. Now, just to clarify something again, that if you're listening to this for, for the first time, this does not pertain to us to, in our day and age here in the form of tithing. This was to the Jewish people, the Levitical priesthood, in the ancient days of what, of what was written. You know, we are to tithe, and we are to give hilariously, but this was, this was the standard of the day, if you will, to, to the people. Why? Because, you know, God... God is a giver, right? God gives us more than we deserve. And, you know, for him to command us to, to give, um, just for us to give, whatever it is, is pleasing to him. He didn't require much. He didn't say, I want everything you've got. He gave us everything we got. But he does, he does show pleasure in giving towards him, his church, and, and, and towards others. To take care of those without. That is what pleases God. Giving is, is a, a very pleasant fragrance into the nose of our Father. <laughs> it's a scent that he just loves to, uh, to, to take in. And so, God gives us all things. You know, and so we are just so thankful. You know, to look at the book of Leviticus, it's filled with a lot of commands, okay? God did give his people at the foot of Mount Sinai here. But, you know, when we look at these commands, we can learn much about, about God's nature and his character. You know, the first, the first glance that we ever had at Leviticus, it probably seems irrelevant again. It definitely do a high-tech world that we live in, but it, it, it was always irrelevant to a lot of people, and I've heard people say that. And I just used to think, like, well, why don't you dig into it and really see? You know, because God has never changed his principles. They're for all times. He might have changed certain aspects, if you will, from certain things, but his principles never changed. You know, so people change and society change, but we need we need constantly to re, to to search for ways to apply God's principles, and and God's principles maybe to our lives, to our circumstances, to to the lives of other people, to the lives and to the existence of the church. 
right? God was the same in Leviticus as he is today and will be forever. It's something that's stated in Hebrews chapter 13. I believe it's uh, verse 8 if I'm not mistaken. And and so these, again, they're, they're not just, they, it was beyond traditions. It was beyond customs. It was commandments, yes. But it was it was how to live accordingly for God, with God, and for and with one another. You know, in the book of Leviticus, I, I found something that, that was interesting because there was a term that was used before the Lord. And I think it was like 60 times or something like that. Or I think it was 60 times that that term was used. And, and this is the one book in the Bible that you can see that term used more than any other book before the Lord. It was based on holiness. You know, one of the most important uh, scriptures in the book of Leviticus was one of the most important scriptures just in the Torah to the Jewish people. It is where God said to be holy for I am holy. And that was the be-all, end-all of things for them to remind them. The book of Leviticus was taught to, to, the, to the young men at an early age for the form of, um, in the form of uh, remembering and dedicating and memorizing. And, and so, again, they, this was a very important book at the time, and we've uh, neglected and, and disregarded a lot of things. But, again, we can't disregard or neglect God. We can't disregard and neglect his only begotten son, Christ Jesus, who came and died for our sins. He fulfilled everything that we read in the book of Leviticus and then some. And so that is why we worship. That is why we receive him. And that is why we're thankful for the days that we live in. That we get to be a part of him and he is a part of us. He is that access to God. No more sacrifices, no more animal sacrifices. All of the stuff that I taught throughout this book are, were things of the past. And now a lot of the things the Jews do continue to do today, but they don't as well. They have revamped uh, new systems, if you will. But again, through Christ Jesus, no longer has that had to be done. He did it all. And continues to do it all. He's alive and active, and 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 he is working every single day, every minute, observing our lives, observing our thoughts, our minds, our hearts, our actions. So why not? Why not do something that's that's very important to us? Looking into our 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 divine and our spiritual eternity. You know, we, we look at our we look at our lives and we try to do everything we can to prepare ourselves financially, which is wonderful. We should. But we forget at times that we're not going to be here very long. And the question that we don't always ask ourselves is, well, where are we going? Some people just believe that you know, when you go, you go and that's it. But no, God says otherwise. There's two places, very cut and dry, and you have the choice to go to one or the other. So now that you know, now that you've heard, the question is, is do you believe? The question is, is will you receive? Do you want to be with God? Do you want to be with, with the one who created you, the one who created this universe? Do you want to be with our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus who died for you and I on the cross for our sins? 
and, and, and who's been watching over us and, and, and reserving a new spiritual birth date for you right now, here and now, to receive him, to, to, to receive him in your heart, that if for some reason, if something should ever happen to you, your time will be spent in eternity with him. So if you want that, if you feel led, you must feel led to receive him in truth. And by doing so, he will enter you into your heart. He will gladly come in. You know, people knock on your door all the time. You don't always want to answer that door. This is one knock you're going to want to answer. He's been knocking at your door. And and I don't care how good or bad your times are right now. To receive him is the greatest thing you'll ever do. He's not he's not just there for the sake of of, of providing good times and and all of the things. He he's there because he's our father. And he is with us through the good times and the bad times. And he's going to receive us into eternity when our time comes by receiving his only begotten son. If you feel led, I want you to say this prayer after me in truth into receiving him. So just repeat after me, dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins as I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, for you, Lord, to to continue, Lord, to to watch over me, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you will receive me as your child as I receive you as my father, Lord. I thank you for dying on the cross, Lord. I thank you for for watching over me, for, for loving me, Lord, for, for dying for me, for living for me. I want to live for you, Lord. And I ask, Lord, now that you will come into my heart and that we will dwell together forever, Lord. I love you. I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, everyone. I pray that you said that prayer. You know, the word of God leads us to those things. And so this is just giving us an understanding. You might not be, you know, uh, well-versed in the word of God, but now you can be. You can follow along. He's waiting for you. He's been waiting for you. And now you've received him. So let's together continue to walk. It is my distinct honor, my pleasure, and my privilege to be a part of of you in in doing this, uh, the Voice in the Distance Ministries, teaching the Word of God book by book, verse by verse, teaching it for what it's saying. And I pray that you'll enjoy the Word of God and that that you will let it live in you and, and that you will continue to do mighty things in His name. May God bless and keep you.